0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of Ordinary People. Um, joining us tonight is Nathaniel Jennings uh, here on the screen and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, race and racism and um, I'm really looking forward to this one. Not that I'm not looking forward to any of the other episodes uh, <laughs> but I heard, I heard Nathaniel speak a couple of weeks ago um, at a, a lunchtime session. It was very, very interesting so looking forward to it again. And joining me as usual are Paul and Neil. Hi. Hi, Andrew. Uh, And Nathaniel, lovely to have you on.
1: Thank you for this opportunity. Real privilege.
0: Neil, do you want to start in with
2: the questions or? 100%, yes. Great. Thanks for the introduction, Andrew. Good to be back on with you and Paul, as always. And uh, a real treat to be joined by Nathaniel as well tonight. Um, Nathaniel, just really quickly, would you just, uh, before we get stuck into this, just tell us a wee bit about who you are, what you do, a wee bit about family um, before we get stuck into the meat of this. Is okay. Sure,
1: sure. So I'm uh, joining you from East Belfast, where I've lived for the last 10 years or so. Um, I, uh, I'm the area rep for OMF International, uh, which is a, a mission agency um, so I'm there rep for, for Ireland, but, but based, in, based in Belfast. Um, live here with my wife, Donna, who works for the Evangelical Alliance, and our two kids, Micah, who's 12, and Tabitha, who is, is 10.
2: Perfect. Perfect. We should just say at this point, um, for those that uh, are regular listeners, you will have heard Donna in one of our early, earlier episodes. I think it's safe to say that this is the first husband and wife team that we. Have okay. To, uh, wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if you're if you're not a regular listener, go back yes. and find it That'd and listen
2: wonderful. to it. Um, yes, so Nathan, you've mentioned you mentioned uh, OMF, and we will pick up, I think, a wee bit of uh, of what your role within the mission agency, the impact that has on this issue that we want to talk about. But I wanna just pick up that where, what Andrew has mentioned. I, I also want to commend you for that uh for the session that you that you did with Embrace NI a number of a number of weeks ago now. Um they're doing a lunchtime series, I think, is that right? Uh I was a stranger and and then their their conversation with you was around responding to racism. And then... Um, and so it was that this was, and as well i've got to know you a wee bit over the last uh, over the last year or two uh, paths have crossed and um, just really just really valued um connecting with you and uh so all of that all of that's reason more than enough reasons for for having this conversation but um, would you just start can you just start by telling us a wee bit about your your own background
1: yeah, so so when people ask me where I'm from, it's like, uh, h- how long do you have? Because <laughs> I kind of have to tell people about my my family tree because it, it it's quite uh, um, interesting, shall we say. So so my dad um, is a, a, a white American. His his family, of course, all claim to be Irish, uh, as as half of America does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Uh, with my on my mum's side, my mum was born in in Manchester, England. Mum was English, but her dad was Jamaican. He migrated to England as part of the Wind West uh, generation in the early 50s. Um, but my parents uh, felt a strong calling to to Bangladesh when they were young adults, um, and they went to that that country in the early 70s. Met there, married. Uh, and they're still there they've kind of made it their home so so i was actually born in bangladesh brought up there um but then did my secondary school and university in in england before returning to bangladesh um to to, to work um and that's where i met my my own wife donna who who uh, who was working in the same christian school um from she from East Belfast. she had she'd qualified in Strammelis and then gone to well, did, did you just meet in bangladesh so we actually met in Bangladesh. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. It was not on my radar at all before I, I met <laughs> Donna from from East Belfast in Bangladesh. Wow, so it's it's strange, yeah. That's amazing. Thanks, for, thanks for sharing that,
2: Nathaniel. And so I suppose we just want to get right into the the meat of the conversation, and and, and um, it was the first question we want to we want to ask around races your experience of that? Have you experienced racism or how have you experienced racism due to due to your
1: colour? Yeah yeah so so I guess some of you can see me those who can't um my, my my complexion um I often get mistaken for being uh Middle Eastern or North African some people think I'm Cuban so I seem to have one of those faces but 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 Probably in Northern Ireland, most people can tell I'm not from here, uh, uh, um, and uh, uh, and and I've certainly my 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 colour has affected the way I've been treated in certain contexts. I think I've become really aware of that when I was in a, a white majority school in Manchester and received a lot of racial abuse and certainly verbally um, from from other kids, and just learned to 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 live with that. Um, Later on, I, I guess experienced a lot of being singled out, maybe for suspicion because of my appearance. I seem to always be the one in, in airports, stopped and interrogated and, and asked to unpack my suitcase and, and asked all kinds of questions about where I was going and why. And so I'm a British citizen through my mum, but but I was often made to feel like you almost have to justify where are you really from, why are you here. Even to the point of not so long ago, near Stormont, I was stopped by police, uh, 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 and, and the guy um, said uh, said something like, uh, "I'm going to let you off um, uh, with a warning, and and uh, and this won't affect your visa, and you won't be deported." Uh, and I was thinking, you know, I, I'm a British citizen with the same rights as anyone to to be here, but 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 being made to feel like. Um, Somehow, I, I don't quite belong here. Uh, 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 so, so, so I think it, it's that that sense of of there's some explicit racism, but also some sense of of not quite belonging, uh, and, and and because of my 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 appearance, that, that's hard. Yeah. How how do you, you? You never want to get used to that.
2: How, like, what is your what is your reaction to those sort of things, Nathaniel? whatever like is it anger or what, what what is your what is your emotions in moments like that
1: yeah i think think you you often feel a sense of shame and humiliation um but i think the lord has i mean i'm aware people have experienced far far west worse things than i have but, but from what i've experienced i i'm, I'm i thank the lord i'm, I'm not bitter um uh Against those people, I, I think it's a shame. It's disappointing, and it's sad that that they have attitudes which inflict um, hurt towards people. Um, and, and I guess I, I want to um, help break down those stereotypes and and and, and uh, stand up for others who are experiencing discrimination. But also do, you know, hopefully someone by meeting me, someone who they consider foreign uh, and, and not white and, and the way I behaved and act and the grace I show in some way, um, you know, do maybe some of the prejudices they have. So 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 I'm a, I'm a good witness as a Christian, first and foremost. Yeah, I'm curious uh, to go back, back to that. the seminar that you did host. I, I, I just
2: so appreciated your your tone, Nathaniel, and your posture, and I thought it was like just really helpful for, really helpful for people, really helpful for the church as well. Um, worth just pointing that out again. But oh, just while you're talking there, um, I um, my wife was given a book to read, um, with uh, with the organisation that she works for. It was a book written by Ben Lindsay called "We Need to Talk About Race." And uh, Ben's a church. He's a black church leader in the in the UK, and um, he wrote this book, and I found it I found it really helpful. But there's just this image that sticks out in my mind that he had that he had shared towards the beginning of his book. the The picture was one of an iceberg, and just at the tip of the iceberg was um like over what he called overt racism, which was socially unacceptable. So he talked about the violent attacks and hate crimes and racial sh- slurs and those jokes that we allow and the slogans that we allow. Um, but, then he, but then obviously with the, bit, with the iceberg, the big chunk that's down underneath, he talked about covert racism. And so I don't know if that sort of speaks into what you're saying around like the disproportion, disproportionately being stopped. So he was talking about what, what becomes socially acceptable is like the media stereotypes or the disproportionate police stops or for my wife's job, um within the care within within care working with kids in care the disproportionate amount of um black and ethnic minority kids in the care system uh even within jobs hiring discrimination racial profiling like that's i hope you get my point and i just wonder is that like that that's i just find that image really just find that really interesting yeah
1: yeah, yeah I, I think, obviously, there is explicit racism and, and, and terrible racist abuse. But, but I think as a culture, probably in the UK, we've come a long way in, in accepting of that, that um, overt racism, but that doesn't mean that in people's hearts and minds there aren't still deep prejudices. And, and certainly, I think people of colour, we can, we can sometimes sense that below the surface, there are assumptions, there are stereotypes, there's expectations. And, and, and I often feel almost like it's unfair that, um, like I want to be a good witness and I want to break down stereotypes they have, they may have of me, but it's unfair that I feel I need to do that. You know, I, I, sometimes I think we feel we represent, you know, if, if I behave badly or do something wrong that will color their view of every of color uh, um, whereas if if a white person does something wrong, you'll say, oh well, he, he's just a he's just a, not a good person, or he's a he's a plonker. But but if a if someone of color does, it'll be oh that's that's typical of those sorts of people. You feel this pressure that you have to almost um, work and try harder to to not fall into stereotypes. You know, many people do have, even if it's quite subconscious. Yeah. Wow. Wow,
2: well, so interesting. Um.
1: Just bringing it a wee
2: bit closer to home like have you experienced like is there like in your opinion is there and what extent have you seen racism within Northern Ireland? Mm-hmm.
1: So I've uh I mean even my most recent and I think God's given me some sense of humor sometimes because some of it is just stupidity I, I was walking with my son who has autism along the coast in Donegadee last week and three teenagers uh, cycled by, and they all started yelling Allah Akbar" at me. Like, and I just, I, I, I kind of laughed. At, well, you know how stupid WhatsApp got to me, but, but they, they looked at me, beard, could look Middle Mid- 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 Eastern, probably a Muslim, and decided to shout these slogans, which I guess in their view, um, Muslims are terrorists, and these are the kind of things, you know. So, so and maybe that didn't hurt me as much because I'm not not a Muslim. I just thought, you know these people but 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 that's that's what people have to cope with um you know that kind of blatant racism um and then um yeah the more more subtle stuff as well but but a lot you know i I live in a more probably affluent area of east belfast uh, and our our street here it's quite middle class and uh and people are polite (laughs) and there's actually a good sense of community and i've been i've been welcomed i have friends who live in in Estates or other parts. I have a Sudanese friend. He says every every day when he walks down the street, he, he he's he's called racist names. Um, I I know a taxi driver who thinks he's Kurdish and and constant racial abuse from from other taxi drivers and from passengers. So, so I'm aware. I am maybe partly immune because I I I a lot of, I mix in maybe Christian circles and with more <laughs> polite segments. I, 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 but but there is a lot of racism that goes on, and and, and the Belfast Multicultural Centre burnt down a few months ago. I think now racist crimes have overtaken sectarian crimes in Northern Ireland. So so anyone who tries to say this isn't really an issue is in denial because because it is, and it's not by everyone everywhere. We all have very different experiences, but but it is an issue that that plagues um, our our society. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize that. So, you, I heard you
2: about racist crimes have now overtaken.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think in terms of reported to the, the police, there there's more racist crimes now than sectarian crimes.
2: So even, so, you've been back. You've been back here ten years, Nathaniel, is not Yeah. Ireland. Yeah. And so even with so what like what what changes have you seen in the ten years that you've been here? Have you seen changes with regards to diversity and? Um, And sort of people's attitudes, is that like, is that, has the increased diversity helped or is that, has it got worse or what do you think?
1: Uh, Northern Ireland's definitely become, I think I first visited Northern Ireland um, to visit Donna and her family in 2004. uh, And it's certainly a lot more diverse now than it was then. And certain parts of it, like like South Belfast. Uh, And I remember at that time, if I saw another person of color, we'd almost wave at each other because we're like, oh, there's, looks like me and uh whereas now it's in a way nice to feel there's more diversity you don't stand up as much you're not as much of a novelty Uh, and i and i think as people have got to personally know people of different backgrounds and cultures a lot of people have opened and broadened and they've become more accepting but with that increase there's other people who reacted differently with with fear prejudice uh, and a sense that these people are not welcome um so, so i think there's probably both there has been improvements and, and um but but there's also been um i think resentment and, and so, yeah always always aware and, and i guess you, you never know what kind of person you're gonna meet someone who who sees you your 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 difference as something good and something to be welcomed or or is something to be suspicious of and to be feared yeah we're wanting this we
2: want this podcast to go to go beyond the church, but at the same time, there's no hiding from the fact that we are part of a, we're part of a local church here in in Rich Hill. Um, And so I know that that's a world that you're familiar with, that you're involved in. Nathaniel, so, so I suppose when it comes to the church, it comes like, do you you think Christians, do you think the church should be involved in this conversation and talking about race and racism?
1: I I think they have to be, because the world is talking about it, it's in the media, it's on the internet, it's an issue that people are grappling with. And if the church stays silent, I think they're 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 either indicating they don't care, or they're indicating that they're irrelevant. Um, so 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 uh, 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 so when Christians find themselves in the real world and they have to engage in conversations or issues or process things they're hearing. Um, if the, if the church is not speaking into it, if they're not being given a biblical perspective, they will find perspectives from other places. Uh, and I have to say some of those sources are, are scary. You go on YouTube and you find what all these self-proclaimed prophets and pundits are, are telling us about race and racism and uh, 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 and identity. The, the, there's some really uh, unhelpful stuff out there. Uh, um, but by thing, I think I was saying in my last... Um, talk about this that i've, I've met young people who are, who are good christian intelligent people who've I think had some found some shocking views or or ignorance uh, and often i've just discovered that that it's because they've never no one's helped them to think this through biblically. so so they've read something somewhere on facebook or watched a video and, and that's where they're getting their information from so so it's something to be relevant and to shepherd and guide our people we, we need to be yeah, talking about and engaging with that's really helpful, Nathaniel, that,
2: that just of like, that simple should we be, but yes, because it indicates, if we don't, it indicates either we don't care or it's irrelevant. And that's, uh, I, I find that really helpful. I think even I just find that line helpful for so much, but not just for the, not just for the area of racism, but for many other, many other areas, because I think that, that can be the cause of real disharmony in in churches, but actually, also in society. Whenever we allow this othering to take place, like, so whether it's whether it's the issue of race or whatever the issue is, when we allow that, that othering to to go on without addressing it, definitely, it, yeah, yeah, it's really unhelpful. And as you say, people are going to get their information from somewhere, so there's a, it feels like a real responsibility on the on the church to be. To be communicating something. Can you give us a, can you help us, can you give us an idea how we can do that in a way that is, that is helpful and, and also constructive?
1: Yeah, I, I, I th- think we have to keep, being, I think there's a lot of identity politics out there now, and it seems the world is becoming more and more divided, fragmented, people just can't talk to each other, it's tribal, and, and, and we mustn't let the church, that infect the church and it is infecting the church so so i think just almost the simplicity of going back to our identity is in christ um, our identity as as children of god our our loyalty is to his kingdom um, our true brothers and sisters are our our are our other children of god through christ whatever race or gender they are wherever in the world they are the rich or poor, and, and if we really have that true biblical vision of what it is to be human, what it is um, to live in this world as a Christian, th- th- then, as you said, all those issues, race being a very important one, should sh- should be seen through that lens. Whereas, um, with a lot of the politicization and the tribalism, a lot of people getting their value and identity in in other things, and, and actually diluting that that true. Identity in Christ, and I think when we get that right, a lot of other things fall into place and find their perspective. So, so, so and then those things you then apply to 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 whatever you're talking about, whether it's race or or or, or something else. Um, so, at a very foundational level, I'd say that. It's going back to that.
2: Great. Yeah, no, great. I, like it seems really simple. I think it's one of those. It's one of those things that I think. You've been a, whenever you've been around church, I feel like I've been around church my whole life and you, you always hear Genesis chapter one and you read like created God created us in, in his own image. There's been something about that over the last couple of years that I've, I've found myself like, being, having the, in the most basic way just remind myself constantly, anybody that I encounter, like wh- whatever their orientation, whatever their political, whatever they're made in the image of God, no matter who I bump into, whatever, I can make all the judgments in the world, but there's only really one judgment that I know is right and that they were worth Jesus stand for, you know. And as you say, that's at its most basic and foundational, but I find myself for the last number of years having to get to that place.
1: Definitely. So, yeah. so
2: that it almost becomes second nature that no matter who I, you come across, that is what I do know. They're made in the image of God, in his likeness, and they were worth. They have like sometimes it's hard, (laughs) but they're they're of infinite value, like credible worth that Jesus would have given his life for. You know, and that's um really, really seems really basic, but it's not always, it's not always implemented really well. Um, yeah, I think you you you've right, you've right touched on um lots of the information that is out there on on media and uh, and sometimes. We can all be guilty of it getting swept up with the the most popular YouTube clip or the most popular soundbite, um, and so there's lots of opinion on Black Lives Matter. And uh, so it, I think it'd be great with to, to hear from you on on how you think as Christians we should engage with, with the movement.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that that's a hard one to navigate, I think, and something I've been on a journey myself on, on how to. Engage with, and I guess where I'm at, um, there. I guess we have to differentiate somewhat between political Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter as a more of a, a movement. Uh, uh, and, and if we're seeing it more as a movement in response to the very real racism uh, and, and horrific crimes that have been committed against Black people historically until today in America, then every should be for that, you know. Why, why, why would, why would you not? These are people, as you say, created in God's image, but not being treated so. Uh, 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 and, and therefore, we want to stand in solidarity with them in their campaign and, and seeking to change things and change attitudes. So, so, so we should be, we should be, for that and we should even be asking ourselves if we're not. Why, why, why not? Um, um, uh, but, but, political Black Lives Matter um, as a, as I guess, an organization. Which has orchestrated some of this uh, obviously is 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 more than just that fight for justice and equality um, for black people in america and worldwide um, which we can affirm and say brothers we're, we're with you on that but we don't necessarily vow, buy into the worldview, a very secular uh worldview that that they have maybe on other things and, and but but you know that's not that different from from lots of things you know we may vote for a political party but 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 how many of us could really say we agree with everything, any political stand for? If we read through their manifesto, we might think, okay, these guys stand in for something good in this area, therefore I'm going to give my support. That doesn't mean I, or, you know, I'm affirming everything everyone in that party believes. So I think we need just be thoughtful and wise and say, yes, we affirm this, we're with this. This is something that is timely. But it doesn't mean we, we we buy into that the whole worldview that we're, we're associates with other things. So, yeah, I think we should be, um, we've been sometimes scared to talk about this. And sometimes we, we so it becomes this elephant in a room and then people feel that they either have to wholeheartedly endorse it or they have to reject it. And if you're for it, in some people's eyes, you're sold out uh, and and if you're against it, in some people's eyes you you're you're a racist uh, whereas let's let's talk about it and actually have a nuanced, wise kind of view of, of how we can relate and engage positive rather than you know just um yeah taking on the world's kind of tribal extreme that you have to be for people or against people so' so helpful final. and like,
2: again like i felt like I think what what you're speaking to here, I like I want to keep it on topic. But I think the, like the the wisdom that you're sharing here, I think applies to so much. I think I think like the the sort of the relationships and the connections that we miss out on because we want it to be almost so binary. We ignore all of those nuances that you're that you're talking about. Up and there's something about and you said it right at the beginning, like about standing in solidarity with the pain. And I think there's something about that that will. We will. There'll be times where we where we commit ourselves to do that. That it will look to others. That it's I don't know whether whether, whether it's compromise or or what it is. But whenever you're involved in the nuance, whenever you're involved in those, willing to sit down and pay attention and listen, then like that, we're so we, we prefer the black and white, don't we? We prefer yeah, to yeah, stay yeah. in that like either or category. But like so many of these issues, life's just not not like that and. So I think what you're what you're speaking to there is is really really helpful, Nathaniel. Um. So again, I think that these are they're broad enough questions to just like take them take us wherever you want to go. But what what should what could Christians be doing? Some sort of practical steps for us? that you think we should be doing in regards to this issue?
1: I think um, yeah. Well, I think th- th- think we as Christians, and again. Race is one outworking of this. We, 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 as followers of Jesus, always should be, even if it's costly, standing up for though, anyone who is marginalized, um, being looked down upon, is feared, is discriminated against. And sometimes that takes real courage from those who are in positions of privilege. And I would always say, in different contexts, we'll find ourselves in different positions so, so, so if I'm in a, a group and I'm the only non-white, I, I'm, I'm counting on the people who are privileged in that position to, to treat me with dignity and honor and to stand up for me if others are not. Uh, and that may mean be costly for them because it might be easy for them to go along with the crowd, uh, 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 even if that means someone like me is feeling belittled. Um, but I could be in a room where, where you know, there's... A, there's we're all men and there's a woman and then I am in a position of privilege perhaps and that's when I need to be Christ-like and be thinking, okay, let me make sure that she has been honored here and nothing has been said and done in a way that, that 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 is disrespectful or objectified or and that can be costly for me. When I lived in Bangladesh, um, I, I was privileged just because I had a foreign passport. I was relatively rich and educated compared to most of the Society. So, 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 I was often in positions where where I, I needed to be standing up for people who were uh, poor and uh, and were marginalised or or were not treated with respect. So, 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 so I think when it comes to race, it, it's as Christians are are we when we're in the majority, um, are we going to be courageous and, and and stand alongside not for those who are um, often. Being marginalized or, or or treated differently. Um, so I think that's one thing. And, 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 and some of my worst situations actually have not been necessarily my, my my hurt me most not necessarily the 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 people who've been perpetrating the racism. Sometimes I like thought they, they don't know better, but that's people who could have stopped it and chose not to. I was in a class I think I've told this story before where where, where where um the, the kids were making racist jokes. I was only non-white there. And so this was really humiliating for me. <laughs> I had to tolerate this and just put my head down because I knew I knew saying I think just draw more attention to me. But but what really when I look back really um I find really difficult is that, is that the teacher was in the room she, she she was a white lady and she had the authority at any stage to just tell those kids to stop or rebuke them and she just let this carry on. So 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 um no, you know, say, when we're in those positions where we can, you know, some people say silence can be complicity, and and, and that it can when, when we choose not to, um, yeah, stand up for for someone else. Yeah, um, some challenged by that to, to protect yeah, them I, for the, because
2: you you're like almost like it's default. Your your my well, mine is anyway. My my human nature my default is whatever is i'll do and say whatever is going to cost me as little as possible and so that there are the moments whenever you realize actually you can you can trick yourself you can justify yourself by saying well i didn't say it or i didn't do it or i didn't laugh at the joke or whatever but actually your your complicity was in your silence and
1: that's human nature, and that's why, you know, also I, I don't speak with any sense of, uh, you know, I, 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 I've I been just as guilty in other areas where I've been in a position of privilege and in a position to stand up for others who were in a position of disadvantage, and there are times I've done it, and there are times I I, I haven't, I've been a coward, and I've decided to keep my head down, so so I think think it's, again, us all having Jesus was uh, so so gentle and humble, uh, and yet he was so strong and courageous when it came to standing up for truth and justice and marginalized, and, and that combination of, of of being loving and gentle and yet being so, um, I guess strong to to be yeah, willing you're to reminded, stand up.
2: Not that I want to w- w- for others, everybody with, um, with, with, with me preaching, but you just what you're saying there, Nathaniel, reminds me. I think of the response of Jesus to the woman at the well, where I think. I think that was courageous because he was doing something that was like, that was a great cost to himself. I think it was a, like potentially a great cost to his reputation, to those that were following him, because he just didn't do that. But it was in order to reach the, the, that, the one who was most marginalized, and he did it so graciously and so tenderly. And that, and that was my favorite part actually of, of just reflecting on the resurrection story recently, was how the account of Mary Magdalene were. Like she was there was probably nobody in a way more marginalized than her. But he he reveals himself, he makes himself known and gives her the go, the first the first goal of the gospel he gives to this this woman, the minority marginalized woman that was incredible.
1: The impact that then has on, on on the person who's marginalized, because if we we're talking we want to be countercultural witnesses who are different, that then if you're the one who outer group <laughs> at cost yourself stands alongside per that person that person is gonna why, why they're they're gonna ask why aren't they? And then we get to say, well it's it's not through any goodness or, or my own strength, it's because of who I'm who my allegiance is to and trying to follow his example and do his will and and it can be great. Missional opportunities as well when we when we stand alongside people.
2: And isn't that what you want? You want to you want to live in such a way that people will ask why? What is the reason for that? The hope that you have, like, why do you treat people like that, or why are you so countercultural? As As you're saying, Nathaniel, and on that, I suppose on that note, um, the, the idea of being countercultural. Give us a, give us a like a quick overview of who OMF are and what they do, and then how that, what this issue has got to do, in your opinion, with. with the
1: yeah, so, so, so OMF has a long history um, started with Hudson Taylor and the China Inland mission, and Mission and very much in a time when um, I guess uh, the, the churches were full in 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 uh, England and Ireland and, and we were a Christian country uh, uh, and yet there was an awareness that, that there were parts of the world where, where people were living and dying with, without ever having an opportunity to hear about Jesus and what he'd done for them. So, so he with Others of his generation decided to do something about that and, uh, and, and go and mobilize others to go and, and live amongst those people sacrificially um, in order that they could um, see and hear um, about Jesus and, and, and his, his love. And, and I think that's still at the heart of what we're doing because though sometimes I think we've lost that sense of urgency, there, there are still parts of the world where, where there is no Christian witness. And as long as that 's the case, I think wherever there is a Christian witness, we need to be concerned about where there isn't and um, whether that 's uh, considering going or sending or or funding or or, or just praying is <laughs> just important We need to have that that concern for 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 for, for, for the for god 's world and his creation and and where he's he 's not known so so it 's still a, a pioneering ministry that would um Give churches the opportunity to send those called by God to to places to to proclaim Him, but but increasingly, obviously, the world's changed and Asia Asia's changed. So so more and more we're working in partnership where there is a local church strengthening them and working alongside them, or, or even training Asian. you now do a lot of the pioneering work, but but really, there's a job still for partnership between the church in the West and the church um, elsewhere in the world. Um, but also as the world has changed. Um, many of those people who we would have uh, gone to asia to reach are now living on our on our in our communities and our doorsteps so they're, you know Hudson Taylor founded the china mission for people to get on a ship for 6 months and sail to china now there's uh, hundreds of mainland chinese students in queens so 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 why would we not be concerned for them they are befriended and christ is shared with them and they come to faith and they go back to their own country positions of influence, think of the, the gospel impact that could have through their networks and their families and their friends. So, 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 so that's meant we very much also, um have ha, have a real, uh, we see the mission on our doorstep as well, uh, culturally, and, and as well as doing that ourselves with, with, you know, many of our workers maybe have expertise in having lived in other parts of the world, They you know, language and culture, and they, so, so they're doing that now with those people groups, maybe in the UK and Ireland. Um, but also really equipping churches and, and Christians to have that real um, global mindset that the nations but realizing those nations are often now you know right right in their community and, and challenging them and equipping them then to, 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 to reach out to them and think about you know that the great nations can be reached you know right here now, which is maybe though you know if we had Chris you talk about Christian perspectives on migration and and people and Ireland becoming more diverse you know, and, and the fear and the prejudice. But wouldn't a Christian perspective be to think of the, the opportunity and the goodness of God to bring, <laughs> move people around the world and bring nations to our doorstep who we can share our faith with, who, who where we never could have, we couldn't have dreamt of it, you know, um, a, a generation ago. So so trying to, I guess, encourage that kind of mindset and then then uh, help people to do that. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, like, as you cast the vision for that, Nathaniel, it's hard not to get feel excited about the possibilities of that yeah that's uh that's that's really good thanks for that um i think we're, we're coming near that close you know like I, I know paul has uh paul's a couple of thoughts i don't know paul if you want to take this opportunity to i
3: don't know if you had uh you you've been doing a bit of work with uh <clears throat> embrace ni um I don't know one of their things is around asylum seeking and, and refugees and so on. Um, <clears throat> I wonder if you could say anything about, uh, or, or, or do you know much about kind of where politically we are with as far as uh, you know how we let in refugees and uh, how how what we do for asylum seekers and so on. Are we in a um, where, what what does that look like at the moment? Do you know?
1: Uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be an expert, but I but I know there there are um, certainly from, particularly from certain parts of the world where there is conflicts, there are numbers of asylum seekers. Um, highest uh, concentration probably in, in parts of Belfast, South of Belfast, but but also say Syrian asylum seekers scattered around Northern Ireland, and uh, you know there's some sensitivity around that because as we said, not everyone um is is welcoming <laughs> to, to to these people, which is very sad. Um, but I think there are opportunities to 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 engage um a, a, and welcome and bless them as Christians. And I think organizations like um Embrace uh, and uh International Meeting Point, which is a ministry of the of of the Presbyterian Church in, in South Belfast, you know, are allowing Christian, they're kind of gateways for Christians to get involved in, in serving and blessing the, these these communities. Uh, I think bigger political, politically we could, uh, <laughs> a country like UK could take far, far, far more. We have the resources and the space and the capacity to welcome a lot more desperate people, but, but you know, that, that is controversial uh, and, and we often think, oh, we're overwhelmed but you compare that to a, well, Bangladesh, where I grew up, they, they now have a million Rohingya refugees um, who've been living in the biggest refugee camp in the world in southwest uh, Bangladesh, fleeing from genocide in Myanmar. You know, they're a Muslim minority group. Bangladesh opened their borders to, and now are looking after a million people. <laughs> um, and, we, and we think we complain when, you know, a few thousand Syrians come uh, you know, I, I think Lebanon as well, people talk about, you know, with the Syrian war, just some something like 30% of their population is now Syrian refugees, uh, and the church is reaching out to them. So, so, so I think we can, even as Christians, we can lose perspective of, of uh, Christ.
3: Yeah, so you think um, there's, we, it's maybe maybe we sort of built a lot, build a lot of, by, around people's uh, preconceptions of of asylum seekers and refugees, maybe think, oh, it's too much of a burden, maybe to take on, or so on. Um, what is the what is the reality, though? Um, is I mean, I, I know like there's some countries like Germany and so on, who have said you know they virtually you know open their borders to unlimited numbers, and I number of years later, reaping the rewards from that.
1: Well, yeah, well, 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 I think think the UK ha- haven't been like that, uh, and are even less so. I, I think the, the I think the direction of travel in the UK has has been making it more difficult for people to get here and live here. Um, though there are government programs to 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 that, that bring people over, it's in very small numbers. So, so I think we could be doing far more. I, I think, in terms of spirit, we can. There there has been. Church movements amongst people groups who 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 were um, welcomed in and are now settled in UK and think of the Iranian Church. It's massive across the UK, and you just see the fruit of of a group from a part of the world where very difficult to to do for missionaries to go to. But, but huge fruit. Now they've come to to places where there is freedom and they can be witnessed to. So just the possibilities are are around this, if but the political will, I wouldn't say is, is really there. Of course, it c- can change, but.
3: I so we need other ways to probably lead the, maybe lead the way, lead the charge with that. Um. Yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah,
1: again, again, yeah, yeah. That that's complicated <laughs> because there. I think uh, so much politics has become uh, identity politics, and there's growth in nationalism and. and Views, I think, that think let's protect what we have, let's close our borders, let's be fearful of of, of, uh, <laughs> of uh, other others and other things, uh, 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 and I don't want to get involved in the politics of that, but but the practical outworking of that is often um, preventing people who are desperate for security and a livelihood and opportunities um, to, to to come to a place like. UK or Ireland where we have it in abundance um, because there, uh, there's, there's a lot of political leverage in demonising these people and creating fear um, and keeping them out
2: but uh. it's just that othering like it's, it's that, it's that othering. What, what pains me in this issue and others is the othering and then the fear of others that is then like created from from nothing and it.
1: yeah and i think again i i'm, I'm not trying to say anything political i, I i'm saying it, it's a mindset you're right of, of being fearful of another and creating them as a stereotype as people to <laughs> not trust to fear uh, 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 and uh, and um that should be challenged and i guess i would just make one more point about then when we do find people of cultures and ethnicities in our communities or even coming to our church, I think, I think in Northern Ireland generally I've experienced people are, 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 are Christians certainly are, are polite and, and generous uh, um, but, but these people really they want to belong and, 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 and often they've left friends and family and they've come to a place where there are strangers and aliens and and, and they want to be valued and, and embraced. And not be seen as charity cases, not being seen as poor people who we can help and feel good about ourselves, but but people who God has brought to us and actually we can learn from, who can enrich us. And if we had that kind of view, then when someone of a different color or culture comes in their community, we would be excited about them. If they came into our church, we would embrace and welcome them because we think God has sent you to, to teach us and to challenge us, not for us just to make you um, an object of our charity. <laughs> And to go beyond just that, that witness. But these people, in some way, they're quite good. They need to disrupt our lives. Are we going to open up our homes, our families, free time to draw them in? Uh, we, I, I had an event where a number of Christians who are from other nationalities but have, live in Northern Ireland were, were sharing their experiences. And overwhelmingly, they were very positive and grateful. But there was a repetitive theme of theme we, we, we want to belong. And often we felt we're we kept at arm's length. People are they're nice, but, but we, we wanna feel part of the family <laughs> and 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 I think we as Christians, I'm talking about myself as well, that hospital needs to be probably more radical and more generous, and 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 it's gonna be costly because it will disrupt our our life as it is. <laughs> what you said
0: there about belonging that, that was the thing that like the key thing i took away from what, what you said um a few weeks ago when you spoke like it really stuck with me and it, it made me think about um how we can be we can be very good in the church at, at accepting people in the, you know but it's it's like nothing is said it's it's almost like in the story of the you know the good samaritan you know, the people crossing over the street you know they you know they they'll keep their heads down you know they're not making a fuss. They're not being overtly racist or or um, or ableist or whatever it is. But but um, but they're not. You know, they're not welcoming. It's that extra step is what people need to 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 do. That it's getting out of their comfort zone and bringing people in to their homes. I think that's a wonderful idea. Absolutely, that's so
2: so rich. That Nathaniel, thanks for that. Because um, that's what, as I suppose, in positions. Whenever you're by yourself. Leading. You never want to be, you never just want to like create like tokenistic gestures just to be nice. Like as you say, it has to go, it has to go deeper than that. And again, just to quickly refer to that book that I mentioned at the beginning, that was the overwhelming experience, just what you've said there, I find that interesting, because that was the overwhelming experience that this guy, this guy Ben Lindsay had, this black pastor in his communication with, with other nationalities, that people were nice and they were polite. But there was definitely kept at an arm's length, and that was his point. That was all, That was probably the takeaway for me for the book. Was uh, um, until we're willing to open our doors, until we're willing to sit as equals around the table. Then we're still we're still a lot of learning to do. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. and it takes, I think, um, yeah, cu- courage, being willing, or to have your life disrupted, but but also. Not the fear of making mistakes, and I, I, I think of a lot of people. It's not even necessarily prejudice. It's almost like you know, what what would I say? You know, it might be awkward. I might say, uh, uh, but that paralyzes them. You know, whereas whereas, <laughs> but I think you keep it simple, and you're you're friendly to someone. You're welcoming someone. You smile. You, you take an interest in our lives. Maybe you don't know what to say, but ask them about their families, their background, uh, and that just. Um, Draws people in and opens up relationships and conversations, but 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 I understand that it takes awkward first steps, and you will make mistakes. But that's a, that love covers a multitude of sins, not it? And and we, it's not an excuse not to not to not to do it.
2: Yeah. The just last really quickly about so that, like we're talking about some of the touching on some of the political stuff, and part of me is like, well, what? We can like the next generation can take this and like do this a lot better, and so sometimes I just wonder like i we're I'm a father of four kids, and that's sometimes whenever these whenever these things come up on the news and the and they make their way into the in the t v in the middle of our time with family, what is it that I want to communicate to my kids as they're growing up, and obviously this is closer to home for you Nathaniel. I just wonder if there's anything you can sort of speak into what you what you find helpful to communicate to your kids?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's just compassion towards people. You know, you know. Often we see people on the media news; so they're objectified the ways
3: to um, the, these people
1: somewhere. Lead the, I lead
3: the charge these with that,
1: Muslim. Yeah. Such and such are these, and just helping our children see so that these are real human beings who who are are often suffering and need love and welcome. Uh, and just to create that in their their heart, and and I think a a, a that that sense of, I mean, I think think if uh, you know, it's not if, if if you live in an area that's predominantly white and your school is predominantly white and your church is, you know, that that's not through racism, that's just the way it is. Yet, I still you can create within a child in that environment an awareness that that they are global Christians, that they have brothers and sisters all over the world, and that's a beautiful thing. And if you create in them that curiosity and 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 that valuing that that sense that, that we're of all colors and tongues and nations and one day we'll be worshiping God, you know, our diversity, That then then surely when they actually come to, to meeting people themselves of other cultures and backgrounds, they're going to have a, a different perspective. So, so I think we can try and keep in, instilling that uh, and be aware that the world will be telling them a different story, uh, but, but we want to keep countering it with compassion and grace. And, uh, uh, Perfect keeping our own hearts right as well. Yeah.
2: I really, I really agree with that. That's brilliant.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Um, we're we're almost out of time. And uh, the most important question of all, Nathaniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what are, what are, uh, this, I think this has got to say, I'm just like, I guess this is where, at the start of another week, I'm like, just need yeah, yeah. tell me something else to watch on T V, something else to read. As the most
0: important question, they'll and be sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna let yeah, you down edit, now. Edit
2: the most important yeah. bit and uh, and now for the final question, Nathaniel, <laughs> what is it that you're reading or re- listening to or watching that you could recommend to us?
1: Yeah um th- there's a guy called Krish Kandira and he's doing a series of webinars just this conversation about race and grace, cultural church so so um he's worth I've been tapping into that and he's almost weekly been doing that and, and kind of reflecting on what's going on in politics and the world and and, and um so so I found that really helpful just just for my, my I think anyone is welcome to that um there's a book I I'm aspiring to read. It's called, uh, stewards of Eden. I feel like creation care has become an increasingly big thing we're thinking about in, in OMF. And uh, 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 so, so I'm reading this book to to inform myself in an area I, I, I don't know too much about. And, and I always love reading the, the, the Jesus Bible. For some reason, maybe it's my, my, uh, mental capacity. It, uh, it's just beautifully written, and familiar stories somehow come alive when I when I read again. And that for some reason every every time it comes to Easter, I
2: always find myself looking for the Jesus Storybook Bible for that for that whole week. I I just really yeah. appreciate it.
1: It's just beautiful to read, isn't it? For yourself and and with a a family, I think the adults and the kids get out of it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Very good. Well, maybe that, I Wonder if that's. What? Let us know how you're getting on with that uh, creation care. Is that what, that's, like, Sure. Sure. That, yeah. Just, yeah. I, I think we're we're just sort of dipping into it, like really interested. And here sure. in tier fund and other like just seems to be really yeah, yes, yeah. really on the radar of lots of of uh, different.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're we're really leaning into that. So yeah, it'd be good. Very good. Um. Yeah. Keep good. Talking about what. Super. Where God leads, yeah. Nathaniel, thank you so much. Yeah.
2: That's uh, honestly it's been so rewarding. I really value your yeah. your wisdom and your input and your time tonight. Thank you for thank you for giving oh, us
1: your a, yeah. a, a pleasure. No, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, less all, all that you're doing. Thank you, yeah.
2: Thanks, thanks, Nathaniel, Andrew, and Paul. Thank you, guys. Good to be with you.
3: Thanks. <laughs> Ordinary People was hosted by Neil Dawson. It was produced, edited and engineered by Andrew Griffin and Paul Woods. Head over to OrdinaryPodcast.com for show notes, links, previous episodes and all the ways you can contact the show.
1: See you next time.